pull myself down that you would allow your spirit to rise up that there might be a word come forth that would be a word of encouragement a word that would help sustain us oh god in jesus name i pray amen i begin with a question the question is on what or on whom are you waiting are you waiting for something to come from our president? Are you waiting for something to come from Governor Whittemore? Man, I can really hear myself. Can you do something? Sorry. Um, are you waiting on a stimulus check? Are you waiting on unemployment? Are you waiting for uh, things to open up again? Are you waiting for uh, the order to be lifted so that uh, we don't have to stay home and stay safe anymore? Are you waiting for the emergency order to be lifted? Are you waiting to go back to work or are you waiting to go back to what we call normal? I just want it to be normal once again. And this song has been in my mind uh, the last couple days. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. My point is this. On whatever it is we are waiting, it's going to determine our mindset. If everything, if all my focus is on waiting on something to come from the world, uh, I'm going to be frustrated and I'm going to be waiting and getting angry. Why isn't things lifting? But if I'm waiting on the Lord, if I'm waiting in faith, if I'm waiting in hope, if I'm waiting in trust, if I'm waiting in love, and it's on the Lord, then the way I go through this next little bit is going to be different. Amen. You know, uh, I know we believe this, that God has a plan for our life a plan to prosper us, a plan of hope, a plan for a future. We all believe that. I know we all believe this. Uh, for those who love God, all things, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. These are things that we've got, in a sense, memorized, and, and we know them. And then my question comes, well, then what's the problem? If we know these things, what's the problem? I was thinking about this. This is one of my favorite uh, um, scriptures. When I stumbled across it, it's like uh, the beginning is six, the six first words, but I'll give you the whole sentence. It's this. For in the fullness of time, God sent his son into the world. What an amazing thought. In the fullness of time, God. And I can't help but think, you know, I'm a woman. And so when you talk about the fullness of time, I'm thinking of that last trimester when you're pregnant, you know, and, and, and your, your belly is just like, and I'm thinking about, uh, if you talk to most women, when they get to about the last six weeks, 
especially if it's not their first, they'll say, I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait till this baby comes. And the, you know why? Because I can't see my feet anymore. I can't tie my own shoes. My feet are swelling. The baby's laying on my bladder. I got a, a, a knee up here in my ribs, and I can't find a position to sleep in. It's uncomfortable. That last couple weeks is really challenging. It's uncomfortable. And I'm thinking about the same thing about what we're going through. The last few weeks are going to be challenging and uncomfortable. But if you keep your mind on God, if you keep your focus on God, you will get through, you will be okay. Who are you waiting on? Wait on the Lord. He's doing something. He's doing something. I'm going to take that a little further. You know, you can't bring forth new, new life. It is uh, without labor and without some, I know we got, without some, a little pain. A little pain, okay? I don't want to freak any new mothers out. A little pain. Uh, it's a process. And for everybody, that process is different. You know, and with every child, that process is different. Sometimes it's a long process, and sometimes it's a, a short process, and the intensity is different. And so as we go forth and we bring forth something new, whether it's in the natural or the spiritual, okay, it's through labor. And there are going to be some discomfort. Um, can we put up um, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19? So we talked about God having a plan, a plan for each one of us. But I was thinking about this, that God doesn't just have a plan for my life. He has a, it, 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 the plan for my life fits into a bigger overall plan. Uh, God has a plan for the body of Christ that is uh, being unfolded now. And it goes bigger than that. God has a plan for society and all humanity. And so we have to be patient and allow him to do what he needs to do, not just in our lives, but in the overall, in the large scheme of what he's doing Isaiah says, uh, and Isaiah, let me put it in context for you. Um, God is speaking through Isaiah, and I'm only going to take two lines. Uh, the Israelites are in captivity. And he says this. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm thinking about, uh, if, you, if we just look at from the standpoint of the Israelites, uh, they've gone into captivity uh, because of their unfaithfulness to God and their idolatry. Uh, if, when I, so he's telling them, don't, I don't want you to think about those things from the past. How many people do we know that they just can't seem to move on because I've done such horrible things and, and they can't let that go and it really hinders them in making the progress that they need to, to make and what God's doing now in the present. 
And so he's telling them, I need you to forget that. But I think he's also telling them, I need you to forget about the victories you've had. Uh, because here's the thing, the fact that you uh, went around the walls in Jericho, okay, that's not going to do anything you, for you right now while you are sitting in Babylon. I'm doing something new, and I need you to perceive it. I need you to understand that. He says this, it's springing forth, it's springing up, I'm moving now. It's happening now, whether you see it or not. Sometimes, uh, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen or not yet. He's telling you, listen, faith is reality, and the invisible is reality, and though it may not be manifested in the natural, I need you to understand that it's still there. This last line, it says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When you think and you look and it doesn't seem like uh, there's no way anything can come out of this, there's, it's not the type of place where something would grow, God says, don't worry about it. Amen. You might not be able to see a way out, but I'm making, I'm making a way. I'm doing it now. And when you think about you might be in a wasteland, a place that is dry and it's not going to sustain any uh, life because there's no water, he says, I'm making a stream. Do you understand? I'm bringing forth living water where there is nothing. I'm doing this for you. And I, I, I think the one thing that I would say is, the one thing that's going to hinder this is whether or not we choose to reject or accept God's plan in our life, in the church, in the body of Christ, and in our society, in humanity as a whole. Can we be willing? That's why prayer is so important. We have to continue to pray who we are. We've got to be a light out there, and we've got to continue to um, be that preservative out in the world. Um, can we go to uh, James 1, verses 2 through 8? It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Almost makes you wonder if it was a typo. So there's some sort of air there. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1986, and I began to devour the Word. You know, as a Catholic, we weren't taught to be in the Word, and so I bought a Bible, and man, I just couldn't read enough. And when I would read Paul, I'd think, this guy is nuts. I just couldn't get he, I just couldn't get it. And I don't know about you, but I love Paul, and I think I need this kind of crazy in my life. He says, uh, listen, I don't care what kind of trouble it is. I want you to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, 
your endurance has a chance to grow. We only grow through resistance. It's just the way it is. It's the truth. You know, when we're comfortable and everything's going well, or we think we are growing, and we think, oh, I've progressed so far, and then a little resistance comes, and all of a sudden it's like, uh, I'm thinking about, I tried so hard to find the CD. I remember when Eric Barnes came out and he told the, how they made swords. And he talked about how it had to be put into the, to the fire and it had to be in there so long and it had to turn a certain color. And, and he talked about it coming out and being pounded and folded over and over and over again. And then it gets put in a, in a cold water and it gets cooled down and then the process starts over again. And this process goes on like 15, 20 times. And so that's the process that we're going through. You know, that, uh, how, they, how do they purify gold? or metals, they bring it to a boil, the impurities rise up, they skim it off, they let it cool down, they fire it up again, until when, when they do it, they don't see anything come up. And that's the process we're going through, that being purified, being strengthened, that, that iron gets strengthened every time it's put into the furnace and then it's cooled down. That's what gives it its strength. Where am I? Um, um, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. What a powerful thought that the things that we're going through, and Paul will call them the little things you're going through, this light affliction, uh, it is gaining for us so much more here and now and in the future. Uh, verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, if you need insight into the true nature of things or if you need the ability to discern the modes of action with a, a view for the results, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He said, don't waver. Amen. The importance of not wavering. So let's just take a minute to consider what are some of the things that cause our faith to waver. Anytime we take our focus off God and off his word and we put it on anything else, 
there's the great possibility our faith is going to waver. When we put our eyes on circumstances or situations, our faith will begin to waver. Maybe not when you, I'm not telling you to totally ignore and deny. I'm not saying be an ostrich. But I'm saying when you put your focus and your attention and you just keep looking at it, just keep looking at it, it gets magnified and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so remember, don't look at the troubles you see now. Rather, fix your gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see, those will last forever. Another reason we might raver is that we choose reason and logic over God's word. Scripture tells us the grass, it may wither and flowers may fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It will not be shaken. It is powerful. It is effective. The word tells us that uh, it's like rain that comes down to the earth. It will not return back without accomplishing that which it was sent forth to do. The word is powerful. And here's the problem. I was thinking about this. Um, Sometimes we have a hard time believing God's word because of our experience with one another. Your word is only as good as your character. And so if you've been around people that maybe didn't have the best character, you learn that, look, maybe you're going to do it and maybe you're not. Maybe your word is, is genuine and maybe it's not. Maybe I can trust it and maybe I can't. Maybe I can trust you. Maybe I can't. That occurs because of our experience with one another. And we take that experience and we put it on God. But here's the thing. God's character is perfect. He's perfect. And so I think in my own mind, uh, I can't separate God from his word. You can't. the, The two are one, you know. The two are one. And so as much as I can depend on God, I can trust and depend on his word. God is faithful. He is true. He is not a man. He does not lie. Um. Allowing our emotions to get the best of us. This is one for me. (laughs) Sometimes, I think of Lisa's truck. I love Lisa's truck. Lisa's truck's mirror's got one of those things that when the car comes up on the side of you, it blink, blink, blinks. I think that's the greatest invention. I love that thing. Uh, But here's the thing. That tells you that something is going on, there's something there, and that's what our emotions do. But it's not meant to tell you, okay, uh, move over now. It's, it's not what directs your choice. It's not what's supposed to direct and move you or lead you. It, it tells you what's going, that something's going on. But it was never meant to drive the train. Okay, we're spirit-filled, spirit-led. We walk by the Spirit, you know? So we have to be really careful not to allow our feelings to mushroom. They start out small, and before you know it, they're everywhere. 
I think of it as a pressure cooker. Sometimes I, I, it's like the pressure cooker's going, and if you have ever had one explode, it's like the sauce is on the ceiling, it's on the walls, it's in the cracks, it's dripping everywhere. Okay, so uh, don't let your emotions uh, run you. Don't let them overwhelm you. Keep your emotions in check. And the, the last one I would mention is negative voices and negative thoughts. We are going to have to be so careful of what we are seeing and what we are hearing right now. Um, what you take in matters, and it will influence uh, your perception of things. If you're going to take something in, you better be taking in the word of God. Right? You better be taking in things that are building you up uh, because there's an awful lot uh, that is ready to tear you down and have good counsel. You know, if you're going to get counsel, make it good counsel. And, uh, and, and, and thoughts. Um, this is from Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, and I'll just read it. I didn't give it to you, Maria. Um, it says this, the, the, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of, of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument, every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you don't watch your thought process, your thought mind, it will take you places you really don't want to go. You have to get on it quick and fast and shut it down. You know, we do have an enemy, and Scripture tells us, be alert, be watchful. Uh, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm. Be strong in faith. Be strong in faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Man, can I just stop for a moment? I just got to say, you know, sometimes as, as Americans, uh, our suffering is really a discomfort not for all of us, for, but for a lot of us. And I remember when this first started um, on the news, they had shown how India had did a, um, a stay home, stay safe thing. And they were saying that for them, uh, they're, they're not staying in an eight room, 12 room house, they're staying in a one room. I don't know if it's fair to call it a shanty, I, I don't know how, a one-room home, eight people, nine people, two generations, three generations, you know? So when it says uh, we're going through the same thing with our brothers and sisters, right now, many ways we are. I'm thinking about how uh, when they had to shut down the, the meat uh, uh, plants, and uh, they were saying, you know, well, you might not be able to get pork. <laughs> you might not get, be able to get your choice piece of meat that you're looking for. You know what? In other nations, they're concerned about famine, widespread starvation, 
And so I'm thinking while we're going through, we got to be real careful. You know, uh, we've been blessed. We don't know anybody who's died. But I do know on the news that there were people that lost eight family members. I remember the, um, the Surgeon General for Michigan stood up and he said he knew of uh, 11 people who had passed away. And, and so we're all going through, but we're not all going through the same way. They talked about disparity, right? The, the difference in economic uh, status and how uh, um, other races were suffering uh, um, more, were being impacted more. Uh, just because systemically, I think that's the word, systemically, uh, they, they, they've been down, um, they haven't had the privileges we've had. Okay, they don't, haven't had the opportunity to the same health care that we've had. You know, uh, th their income is lower. You know, they live in places where maybe, you know, if you live in the city of Detroit, the pollution is going to be different than it is here in Imlay City. Just by the volume of people in the factories. And it impacts them. It makes a difference. So we are, yes, we are all going through. But, man... We have to remember that some of us are going through much more difficult with a greater burden, with a greater burden. If we're going to do something, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying for those. And let's pray for social justice in this world. God's doing something not just in our personal lives, but in something so much larger. And I pray that we can finally be about the other person and realize that everyone should be entitled uh, to at least health care. Uh, verse 10, I think I'm on verse 10, yes. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever, amen. Sometimes when you're going through, you don't feel like you're on a very firm foundation. I remember when I first came here and Pastor Keenan, uh, um, I was meeting with him and, and man, some of the stuff I was taught and then it clashed so bad with what I was learning now. And I remember one day I was just like, I don't know what to believe anymore. I, I was just so shaken to the very core of my being. I thought for 50 years I've lived this, I've breathed this, I believed this, and now maybe I can't believe any of it. And I remember hearing the Lord, shut your eyes. And I shut my eyes and he said, now tell me what you know. Now tell me what you know. Every once in a while, we're going to need to shut our eyes and tap into that spirit that is within us. And let me tell you, there is a knowing that comes from inside that is powerful and is so different 
And sometimes, man, you're going to have to shut your eyes. Just breathe for a moment. And then tell me, what do you know? Okay, now I just want to throw out a couple things. Uh, I, I was thinking that, that if I was going to name this anything, it would be words of encouragement, which I gave Katrina, but the other part is uh, things to remember. And so the first thing I want to talk about, words matter. And uh, scripture says by, by the tongue, you know, uh, life or death comes through our words, you know. And... Um, and so I was thinking about this. Yes, it's important that we say words to build one, other, one another up. But even more so, I was thinking about this through the word. Uh, the earth was created. God said, let there be light. Boom! There's light. And so I'm thinking about the power of our words. The power of our words. We want to be careful not to speak things over other people or ourselves, our lives, our marriages. We were putting in an invisible fence this last week. I'm getting better to work with, ain't I? Yeah. And uh, we had the wire all down, and I was putting in the flags, and then Sam said, I'll put in the flags. And so then I proceeded to tell him how to do it. I said, okay, I want them this close together. I want the long pink ones. There were a hundred of them. Just use them in the front yard and don't put them on the driveway because we can't afford them. And then the kid came with these little things and the flags were so tight they looked like Q-tips. And I said, we'll use those in the back. So then I go in the house and I come out and Sam has gone all the way around the house with them one tall red flags. And they're spaced, you know, they're spaced out. Pretty good. I was making a wall. You know, I didn't want my dog to get zapped. And so I looked at him. I walked by and I said, you never listen to me and you never will. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, you better repent. And I said, ooh, I do not want to speak that over my husband or my marriage. Amen. And so I said, Lord, I repent right now of those words. They are not true. They are not true. He does hear me. He does listen to me. And then I said, in the holy, mighty name of Jesus, those words fall to the ground, null and void. They will not take root or be established in my husband. We have to be so careful about our words. Um... The other thing I wanted to just touch on were relationships, and this is really what Pastor Keenan taught us years ago, but I think it's worth going over just real quickly the ones I can pull out of, out of my mind, um, uh, because where other crimes went down, domestic disturbances went up. And so the first thing he taught us was that it's give and receive, not take, demand, but it's that beautiful dance. In fact, I think he said it was a waltz of giving and receiving. 
how we interact with one another. And then I remember him saying, you're not always going to agree, and when you don't, you need to remember that the problem is not your spouse, but rather it is just the circumstance or the situation you're going through. So when you're in a dispute with somebody, it doesn't have to just be a spouse. It isn't about the other person. It's about the situation that's the problem. They're not the enemy. Uh, I'm thinking about the importance of, uh, when we're working through a dis dispute, the importance of communication. And this is my idea of communication. Okay, I need you to understand that this is the way it needs to be, and it's the only way I'm right. That's communication. Okay, well, it's not what we were taught, but I got a lot of work to do yet. And so uh, the point of communication is so that I can understand your point of view, so I, I can understand your thoughts and your feelings, so that I can stand in your shoes. It, you know, I don't have to be defensive. And we can begin to maybe come together uh, in how we're seeing something and help to resolve it. And then the last thing was that sometimes you're not gonna be able to resolve it. You know, sometimes you gotta agree to disagree, but the thing is, can you do it in love? Can you do it in love? Ah, uh, the last thing, forgiveness. Hmm. Scripture says not to let the sun go down on your anger. And the importance of being able to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. When I, when, when the, it, I, it was just like the Lord had showed me. And I looked out and I saw those flags and I thought, man, it's not the way I wanted it done, but it worked perfectly. And there were enough flags to do the entire yard. Babe, I was wrong. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Now that's love. <laughs> that's love. Okay, um, last one. Can we do, uh, I'm going to skip some, Maria, if we can do the last one. 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16. I'll try and move along qu quicker. Uh, it says, uh, oh, let me set this up for you. Um, this is Paul writing Timothy, and he left Timothy in the church. I believe it was in the church in Ephesus. And uh, um, Paul was Timothy's mentor and his spiritual father, and so um, he's really encouraging him and writing to him, this is what you need to do in my absence. Okay. Uh, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Okay, what does that have to do with me? I'm pushing 60. Okay, but here's the thing. I think this is what he's saying to him. Don't forget who you are. That's the word for all of us. Don't forget who you are. People will say things, you know, and uh, look, it, maybe you're not educated enough. Maybe you, your status isn't good enough. Your position isn't good enough. You're too old. You're too young. You're, your hair's too long. Your hair's too short. Whatever it is, don't forget who you are in Christ Jesus and who you belong to. Uh, he says, be an example to all believers in what you say, in your words, in the way you live, your conduct and behavior, in your love. And I think about uh, the love that Pastor Keenan taught on several weeks ago and the sense that uh, 
um, God's love is unconditional, and it doesn't look really anything like human love or what we're used to. You know, we put so many strings and, and, and qualifiers and conditions on love. But he's saying, you know, I need you to be an example. You know, so the standard, you know, I need you to love like you've been loved. You know, that's what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. You know, to love one another as I loved you. Okay? Uh, in your faith and in your purity. So be an example. You know, uh, he says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging believers and teaching them. And look, it doesn't matter where we are, we're called to do these things, right? We're called to be examples uh, to one another and to, to the world, really. Uh, the only way, look, I was thinking about this. Uh, most of what our children learn is from our examples. You know, it's how I behaved, it's how I spoke, it was how I handled situations. Most of what they've learned, they've learned from just observing and watching. And so when, when we talk about teaching, man, we're doing it with words and action, and it is my firm hope that they match. Okay, because there's nothing worse than having somebody tell you one thing and they do something else. Isn't that what they say about the church? They're a bunch of hypocrites. You know, we got to have some integrity. He says then, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Don't forget the gift that's been given to you. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I don't know what gift was given to me. Oh, my gosh, we've been given so many gifts. It's, it's ridiculous. But how about we just start in a very general way. We were given the gift of... Uh, Jesus Christ, the gift of, of God's word, gift of fellowship with God once again, fellowship with one another. Uh, how about uh, we were dead and now we're alive? How about the Holy Spirit lives in us? How about every spiritual blessings in the heavens been given to us? Uh, how about the fruit of the Spirit uh, that is evident in your, in, your, in your life as you continue to yield yourself to the Spirit that lives within you? There, that's just spiritual gifts. Everyone has gifts and talents, and he's telling you, use them. Use them. You know, uh, uh, I'm thinking of the nurses, the, the heart of compassion that people have. You know, everybody has different gifts, and so uh, um, some people have a, a gift with finances, you know. Uh, some people have a gift for, for doing uh, uh, sound or um, technology. I don't even know the name of it. It's technology. Um, so whatever gift God has placed down in you, use it for the good. Then he said, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching, and I would say that's in word and action, stay, stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. 
look, if we come back and we have not made progress, uh, we have squandered uh, a great opportunity and we have missed a great move of God. Amen. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. I would have played that song, but that song would have been too long. But if you get a chance to listen to that song, they said, what an honor and what a privilege it is to wait on the Lord. Be blessed. I love you. Yeah.